You're listening to Running Around Charlotte, presented by the Novant Health Charlotte Marathon, the Queen City's premier road race experience. One day, five events with a race day distance for every goal and pace. Find out more or register at runcharlotte.com. Now, here are your hosts for Running Around Charlotte, Tim Rhodes and Jeffrey Cooper. Runners, we know you're hurting. We know you still want to go out and do your usual runs, and we also understand if you don't, but a lot has changed. We're all worried about our health, and we're worried about other people's health, too, and yet we still want to run, but do it safely. Our guest today on Running Around Charlotte can help you do that. Dr. Karen Shukala is a physician at Novant Health Randolph Family and Sports Medicine, and he's also served as a physician in the medical tent at the Charlotte Marathon for the last three years. He understands you, runners, and he's here to help. Welcome, Dr. Shukla. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. These are are some... Say again? Today's my first podcast, so uh, I feel like a virgin. Excellent. (laughs) The, the, The maiden voyage. All right. Well, we're glad you're here. These are, uh, these are some trying times for all of us, but we need to exercise to de-stress more than ever. Remind us again about the physical and emotional benefits of staying active, even in quarantine situations. Absolutely. So uh, first of all, uh, before I begin and get into the, the question and the information that our patients are, wa- are uh, sorry, our listeners are wanting to hear, uh, just a big shout out to all of our healthcare workers, uh, across the city, state, um, nation, world, and everyone uh, who's doing any essential or non-essential work at this time. And just a big shout out to all my Charlotteans. I think you guys are doing a great job uh, distancing <laughs> physically, socially, but staying active is very, very important. And I'm here to uh, just educate our listeners about the health benefits, just as you asked. And um, the, the research actually goes back quite a long time, um, as far back as the early 1900s, uh, when they were looking at um, marathoners completing the Boston Marathon and identifying uh, uh, just changes in, in their basic immune cell counts. And um, really the research in the field of immunology as it relates to exercise really exploded in the 1980s when we were combating the AIDS epidemic that was um, affecting us at that time. And the science uh, really accelerated when we were able to um, look really deeply uh, into um, people's uh, responses from from a molecular standpoint and uh, understand its uh, effects on how people feel. And so uh, going back to your question, uh, should people stay active and stay physically um, uh, uh, active and uh, during this time, the answer is yes. Um, But as uh, William Shakespeare coined the phrase, there is such thing as too much of a good thing. Um, and, and so understanding what the effects are of exercise um, and how much exercise we should engage in during this time is very important because we want to optimize our health. We don't want to get sick. We want to, in fact, a lot of us just want to improve our health during, the time, during this time when we're restricted in uh, a lot of the other activities that we 
typically would want to engage in during spring and summertime. And, and for a lot of our um, listeners, some of who are maybe not uh, that um, well conditioned and that are just trying to start thinking about uh, engaging in activity for the first time, or for our experienced runners who have competed and uh, are used to training at uh, moderate to intense uh, levels, it's important to understand that um, generally when, when we as physicians are providing recommendations for moderate to vigorous exercise, uh, we are generally talking about a duration of uh, less than 60 minutes. Um, now, the caveat being, uh, it really depends on your baseline level of conditioning and um, your overall uh, training patterns and um, what you are uh, able to do safely. And so there are certainly acute uh, or immediate effects of uh, exercise on the immune system. And the, the immediate effects are that it stimulates uh, your um, circulation and the um, distribution of your immune cells and the subtypes of the different immune cells throughout your tissues. Um, and it increases what we call the anti-pathogenic activity of the tissues so that it helps us fight off viruses and bacterias. And so, you know, with daily exercise, we see um, synergistic effect of an enhanced immune systems uh, and its ability to defend against um, general pathogens and um, enhance its own metabolic activities. Nice. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll ask a, yeah. a question based on that. So. Are you saying that um, if you took a group of people that exercised versus a group of people that didn't exercise, the group that exercised is um, either less likely to get, in this case, the coronavirus, or less likely or, or more likely to be able to fight off um, the the symptoms and and what would negatively affect our body. So we're, we're fighting off getting it or we're able to fight off the effects of it. So, uh, so uh, generally both and, and you know, these come with some caveats and I'll try and explain those the best as I can uh, through this podcast where we can't see diagrams and charts. But um, so initially with, with exercise, we just see, a, increased uh, uh, ability for our bodies uh, to have what we call immunosurveillance or just its ability to be uh, on guard. And um, this is seen by improved uh, uh, immunoglobulin levels, uh, specifically IgA, which is found in our mucosal surfaces and in our saliva and in our respiratory tract. And that, that's an important um, cell to defend against uh, uh, illness. Now, they've actually done a lot of studies uh, since the 1980s regarding uh, upper respiratory tract infections, common colds, uh, including the coronavirus, maybe not coronavirus SARS-2 um, specifically, but 
uh, in general, upper respiratory tract illnesses and flu illnesses. And they've, able, uh, they've been able to um, uh, identify a very uh, interesting relationship between exercise and the immune system. And um, although I can't show our listeners, uh, there is what we call a J-curve effect. And what that takes into account is that with, um, with moderate to vigorous activity, you see a significant decrease in the rates of respiratory illnesses and flu illnesses um, in general. Now, there comes a point at which we can overdo it and with moderate to heavy exertion. So when we talk about heavy exertion, you know, the studies that have been done have looked at marathoners, completing marathons, uh, ultra marathoners, um, people who are uh, putting in um, on average, you know, um, 26 miles to 50 miles uh, per week. Um, or even doing very heavy bouts of exercise at one time, like completing a marathon. And when we're uh, uh, evaluating those individuals, we actually see an increased risk of developing upper respiratory tract infections or flu illnesses um, with those heavy bouts of exertion. And we think that is uh, due to a, a few different factors interplaying. And we see um, those factors specifically being an increase in your stress hormones, epinephrine and cortisol, uh, as well as um, um, a dysfunction in the ability of the immune system uh, to circulate its um, uh, fighter cells uh, throughout uh, our different tissue compartments, our skin, respiratory tract, mucosal tissues, lung, blood, muscle. And so, um, you know, certainly there uh, needs to be a fine line drawn between uh, a healthy amount of activity and um, an unhealthy um, amount of uh, exercise. In uh, certain individuals, they found that uh, increased bouts of intense and prolonged exercise, um, you can see up to upwards of a two to six fold increase in uh, risk of upper respiratory tract infections in the immediate one to two weeks after a, po a post-race time period. Yeah, so, so you mentioned 26 to 50 miles a week. So is, is when you get into that mileage, is that bad, are you saying? Um, so uh, again, I, I um, you know, they did studies with um, individuals exercising 30 to 45 minutes, like walking uh, at a moderate to intense um, pace uh, versus uh, individuals who um, completed a, a, a full marathon. And they, they found statistically significant uh, increases in rates of respiratory tract illnesses in, in the marathoners. Now, the caveat is, you know, we want to encourage people to maintain their level of conditioning. And so, um, you know, if uh, um, 26 miles is what you're running on average every week, and that's, um, 
and that's what you're accustomed to, certainly uh, your body is well conditioned to tolerate those stressors and uh, it shouldn't have a significantly negative impact on your health. Now, if you are just starting out or if you are uh, not used to running uh, such a long distance uh, throughout the course of a week, um, then maybe uh, pacing yourself and uh, incrementally increasing your distances would be uh, the most safe way to uh, uh, get to your goals. Mm -hmm. Sure. So is it, is it enough to, to just stay six feet apart or do we need to be wearing masks? Yes, uh, great question. So, you know, I was on uh, my local uh, walking trail last week. Uh, I, I live out in Ballantyne and I was out at one of these four mile trails with my family. And at that point, we weren't using any masks. Um, the CDC hadn't um, made that recommendation at that point. And uh, generally, the trails were uh, not very heavily populated. But still, walking past individuals, you uh, could sometimes get um, a whiff of their scent. You certainly, um, when, I, when I was on the trail, I could hear people huffing and puffing. And so, um, you know, what I'm trying to get at is that, um, you know, when you're able to um, smell someone's perfume, you're able to uh, certainly um, transmit uh, respiratory droplets. And um, those are uh, certainly potential um, secretions that could be carrying contagions. So I would certainly recommend using a face mask or um, a covering um, as per CDC guidelines with activity. Uh, generally, this can limit your um, risk of uh, contracting an illness or transmitting an illness asymptomatically. Um, it can do so in a multiple of uh, 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 different ways. One, it can help limit how many, how many secretions you are expelling into uh, surfaces uh, from your uh, respiratory tract. Um, be mindful that uh, nasal, uh, projectile nasal secretions, snot rockets, and- uh, Snot rockets, there you go. Let's talk what we can understand. Ex expectorating, They're called expectorating phlegm. So like, you know, really coughing things up and hawking loogies um, could certainly be vectors of disease. And so, um, you know, using a face covering can limit your um, uh, spreading, spreading your germs around. And it, all, it, it can also limit your, um, uh, uh, the amount of times you're touching your face and wiping the sweat off your brow. And so uh, the combined effect can have a significant reduction in um, your ability to contract an illness. And so um, generally I would, um, the recommendation that I would make is if you are gonna be uh, going on a trail or run where you're not gonna be coming into contact with people or generally, very limited contact with a few um, uh, number of persons where you can safely uh, distance yourself. Um, so if you're gonna go on a, a remote trail where you're gonna pass one or two people and you can distance yourself, then you um, may not need the face covering uh, as much. If you were going to be running uh, on on the uh, in South End, you know, on the Blue Line track, 
where you're gonna be passing 50 people. Um, certainly the, the risk is greater and the recommendation would be stronger. It seems like at this point though, all of the trails and basically anywhere where you can run is pretty populated because even though we're socially distancing, it seems like we all chose the same place to go socially distance. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, you know, it, population densities and where you live can certainly play a, play a role and factor. And uh, going back to, uh, I think, the point that our previous speaker was making, uh, that, you know, there are certain populations where covering your face may pose a risk of other um, uh, problems, um, specifically speaking for our, our you know, people of color and uh, our minority populations, you know, uh, some tips would be try to uh, use a face covering that has uh, um, uh, just a non-threatening uh, features. Um, you wanna avoid, uh, you know, using certain colors if you're in certain uh, neighborhoods where that might be a, a mistaken for, um, uh, gangs or other groups that could be uh, uh, putting you at increased risk of, uh, uh, you know, uh, bias or any of those uh, issues. Certainly, uh, also another tip would be uh, consider uh, having having a picture of yourself uh, uh, on, on uh, like a, on a necklace that uh, people can kind of see how you look and can identify your features and uh, recognize your face when you're using a face covering if you feel like uh, um, you're putting yourself at a risk by covering your face. Mm -hmm. So coming back from a run, if we're out and running amongst people and you know we're on one of the more crowded greenways, when we come home, are you thinking we need to like take a shower immediately or like put those clothes somewhere separately or like, do we need to clean our shoes? Like what should be our protocol when we come back? Yes, uh, so uh, that's a great question. I think it's really important to realize that the uh, process of uh, decontamination should start even before you start your activity. So, you know, the, the last thing you should do before you leave the house is, you know, wash your hands and, um, consider taking hand sanitizer with you uh, so that you can use it liberally so that if you do end up touching uh, a railing or pressing a elevator button or a crosswalk signal button that uh, you can uh, decontaminate and disinfect your, your uh, hands. Um, when you're on the run, I would uh, make a, a be mindful that touching common uh, fomites or uh, inanimate objects that can uh, be a common source of uh, um, contracting an illness um, uh, through contaminated surfaces uh, like uh, railways or park benches where you're doing uh, some dips or some inclined push-ups or uh, certainly buttons or um, um, doorknobs or anything of the like uh, need to be mindful of trying to limit how uh, frequently you're touching these things and if you can avoid touching uh, those surfaces then you're reducing your risk. In terms of um, shoes, I would strongly uh, advise not wearing shoes in the home. Uh, I, I know that that's a common practice in uh, a lot of uh, countries around the world but I think it's one that is uh, underutilized in, in the U.S. And so 
Um, you know, the, the bottoms of our shoes are, are pretty filthy um, um, in terms of their uh, potential to carry uh, disease and transmit disease to the surfaces of your home. So I would, I would avoid wearing your shoes in the home. Um, I would certainly uh, remove your clothing um, at, just as you get uh, home, uh, before you enter the home, preferably um, in the garage, try and make sure that the garage doors close so you don't uh, surprise any of your neighbors. Uh, try not shaking your clothes out and just uh, put them in the wash directly. That would be the recommendation. And then again, wash your hands and uh, hand sanitize. Mm -hmm. Avoid touching your face in general. I keep trying to find hand sanitizer and I can't. I don't know if you got a good, good, good resource. Um, I've been to several places around town looking for hand sanitizer. It's hard to come by. We still have some, but it's not going to last forever. So I don't know if you have any tips for uh, where folks can pick up hand sanitizer at this point. But you know, all good, all good uh, pieces of advice for us. Looks yeah, I, I think that's very important uh, is to is to remember that um, if you don't have access to hand sanitizer, washing with soap and water, uh, soapy suds, uh, 20 seconds uh, duration, and make sure you get your fingertips and your thumbs and kind of pretend like you're uh, a surgeon on Gray's Anatomy uh, getting prepped for a procedure and um, uh, you know, that's the, that's an alternative, effective alternative to, uh, the hand sanitizer. And remember, this is a, this is going to be a, a long-term, uh, change in our behaviors. It shouldn't be seen as a, uh, uh, time for behavioral change that, uh, is going to be short lasting. Um, certainly the shelter in place and immediate, uh, concerns are, are going to be, um, uh, apparent and the need for behavior change is obvious, but uh, the, the uh, perspective should be, uh, what do we need to be uh, doing going forward, uh, not only in the next few weeks, but the next few months and really the next few years uh, uh, in terms of developing new habits and better hygiene. And we appreciate you joining us, Doc. Um, lots of information to consider. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny when you talk to people, some are, some are fatalists, something, you know, I'm gonna die from this. It's the end of the world, you know, we're, we're, we're headed for the end. And, and some people are like, eh, not a big deal. Their habits don't change much, but, you know, hearing it from you, um, it is important, you know, and it's great information. And, and you know, I, I've heard some people say, you know, I never thought I'd catch it, but gosh, I wish I was more careful on the front end. And, and I think anybody that gets it will probably have that same attitude. So, you know, it's, it's good that we see the curve starting to flatten here in Mecklenburg County each of the last three days, the, the numbers have been down. Um, but who knows, you know, you can get another spike there's so many variables. So we really appreciate all the good information. Any last bit of uh, advice for us uh, before we let you go? Yes, uh, you know, just to, to provide a little bit of reassurance that, you know, for all of our listeners out there who have uh, maybe had their races or their competitions uh, postponed or canceled, 
you know, just, just understand that uh, we're going to get through this. We can't control what's happening day to day. We can't control race schedules. Um, but we know that at some point racing and competition will return. And, um, and so, you know, just, just keep that in mind. And, and the goal for everyone at this point should uh, be to remain healthy. And that includes um, not only your physical health, but your mental health. And uh, stress at this time is also a major um, factor that can also affect our uh, body's immune system and immune response. And it, it, it can also be amplified with, um, with doing too much. And so um, for everyone who's trying to stay active, certainly uh, daily activities encouraged. Uh, keep in mind that your um, baseline level of conditioning uh, should uh, serve as a guide of um, how much activity to do. Uh, generally, you want to keep your activity less than 60 minutes in duration, unless you are well conditioned to um, uh, go beyond that comfortably. And um, and you want to combine your physical activity with uh, uh, methods that you can de-escalate psychological stress. And also um, important, which uh, uh, I haven't mentioned here, is the nutritional aspect, which I'm sure our next uh, speaker, our uh, sports nutrition guru, Taryn, will get into. Dr. Corinne Shukla, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Um, one last question before you go, and it doesn't matter if this gets on the podcast or not. Are you part of the new clinic that just opened up um, south of Sharon Amity, or are you in with Dr. Anderson and, the, and that yep. group? So, uh, so I, I, my practice is in Uptown, right uh, across from Presbyterian, Maine. So I'm in uh, what we consider the okay. center city uh, uh, location. Right. I saw Randolph Road, and I, I, my mind immediately went to the new clinic that's out there in the Cotswold yep. area. So, yep. so you're you're up in main main uh, facility. I'm in, yep, I'm in uh, Uptown. Very good. Hey, thanks so much. I really appreciate you being here. No problem. Thanks for having me on, and uh, stay safe, everyone. You too. Enjoy your day. Right, thank you. The Running Around Charlotte podcast is presented by the Novon Health Charlotte Marathon. One day, five events with a race day distance for every goal and pace. Registration for the November 16th Novon Health Charlotte Marathon, Half Marathon, Relay, 5K, and One Mile events is available now at runcharlotte.com. Running Around Charlotte with your host, Tim Rhodes and Jeffrey Cooper, is produced in partnership with Well Run Media and Marketing. Listen for new episodes of Running Around Charlotte, released every week.